Hey, this is Mark Parrish here from Northland Vodka, and you are listening to the Soda Pod. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another episode of MNCAA. I'm your host, Nick Maxson. Regular season almost upon us here across the college hockey landscape. So uh, we have a little bit of a round table before the regular season gets underway. Joining me today is St. Thomas. Let's call him a beat reporter because he does have his own website, the TripleDick.com. That is Ryan Stieg. We have Max Veach also joining us again for another year. He covers Minnesota Duluth and Alex Micheletti, who covers everything, including, uh, shall we say, um, different hairstyles. We'll just go that way. No, I'm sure. he covers uh, Mankato here. Um, a little frazzled. Most Minnesota State fans were this offseason. Maybe that's the hairdo. That's I, I see the mirror now. Um, but, gentlemen, before we talk college hockey, let's talk Twins baseball. Because, I mean, can we not have nice things? We finally can after 18 straight postseason losses. It comes to an end tonight against the Toronto Blue Jays. And uh, what do you know? Apparently, the news was so dire that no one wants to hear about it. We lose Ryan Stieg right off the bat. So, uh, Max, uh, were classic. You I know classic. In fact, oh, geez. You know what? Let's actually do this. Ryan, you're supposed to wait till after the recording is done to, to pop out like this. I mean, come yeah. on. Yeah. It, it, like my internet went briefly haywire. And I was like, oh, wait, I got to fix it. This <laughs> is so. Yeah. Sorry, the Twins postseason so that they went away for a little bit more than just a blip. It was 19 years. 2004 was the last time the Twins uh, had a postseason victory before tonight. Uh, were you catching the game at all? Following it on social media and um, finally, right? Maybe that's just a big exhale. Yeah, it. Uh, I, I was. I couldn't watch the game. I was mostly on social media. Is what I was uh, following it on um, that three o'clock uh, start kind of threw me off a little bit, and I was in the middle of work, so I was unfortunate. But uh, I kept tabs on it, watches Alex tweeting out highlights and stuff like that. So yeah, that, that's all I got my information. Uh, Ryan, you're wearing a Pablo Lopez jersey underneath that uh, the jacket because yes, the weather is going to dip 40 degrees yes. overnight only in Minnesota. Does that ever happen? <laughs> um, but Alex, speaking of Pablo Lopez, he comes into tonight's game wearing a Johan Santana jersey, and I swear to God, if you wouldn't have known the difference with how good he had an outing five and two thirds innings, one earned run before he was pulled. Just an outstanding start for the young. Minnesota starter. Yeah, it gives you chills. I mean, to have that performance and to wear that jersey. I mean, you better you better have a good performance if you walk in like that. And so, yeah, it was pretty badass. Um, I mean, I mean, they didn't really do any damage. There wasn't any any hits that were close to like home runs. I mean, you know, Michael Taylor made that jumping catch, but you know that wasn't going to be a home run. But I mean, he was electric the crowd was was awesome you, you couldn't ask for a better performance uh max because uh well you know about offense uh, no i'm kidding umd did not do great offense <laughs> last year uh but royce lewis uh, speaking of young guns a holy cow um not only does this kid come off of injured reserve essentially and uh posts back-to-back home runs a two-run home run in the first and then his next up a solo shot an oppo taco shot over that giant right field wall yes yeah. i said it get get away from me i know some baseball lingo too so shut up um but you put the twins up three nothing and i'll tell you i don't know what it is 
you know, there's some players or some athletes that just relish in those big spotlight moments. And Royce Lewis, the former number one overall pick, seems to just embrace this. And what a night he had behind the plate for the Twins. Yeah, I mean, when when you're the guy that scores all the runs for your team, it's <laughs> going to be pretty pretty highly regarded. And it's not the first time that he's done that this year. He had maybe the hottest three-week stretch in baseball history, if you really want to go into it in terms of batting and all the, the feats he was able to accomplish there. So I was ecstatic to finally see the bats come alive for the Twins. I think it was 2019 when they had the, the batting record and they couldn't figure out a way to get a hit in those two games and ended up getting swept. I was finally, finally, finally happy to see that turnaround. And you mentioned the pitching. That was the best pitching performance I've seen since Santana, which is funny that his name came up as well. Um, so something that I did probably three or four years ago now, uh, I had put a, a T-shirt away in the safety deposit box. I was like, I'm not pulling the Twins jersey T-shirt out until they win a playoff game again. So I can finally wear this again. Um, the not that in that? That's what I want to know. Just a shirt, really? Yeah, it was literally just a t-shirt. It was just like, this is what I wore to every Twins baseball game. Um, and so now I can finally wear it again. So, you know, I'm looking forward to that. It's unfortunate that it's a more no jersey, but uh, we're just going to look past that. <laughs> unfortunate? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just so outdated now. <laughs> one-time American League uh, MVP, one-time AL uh, Home Run Derby champion, uh, Justin Morneau, and also quite a nice uh, addition to the uh, Bally Sports Analyst uh, right now, alongside Dick Bramer. Um, speaking of T-shirts, guys, uh, the Twins at Target Field today were selling shirts that read, and I quote, party like it's 1991. I really wanted to get one. Ooh. It's pretty good. Um, but uh, it does have that vibes, right? There's a nice mix of hitting. Uh, the pitching core was really good tonight. So, uh, yeah, like I said, uh, Minnesota is uh, going to be partying tonight before game two. I believe tomorrow, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, yep. game two. And uh, uh, so... 18-game losing streak, at least a two-game winning streak, keyword at least, right? I hope it continues. Um, they got a good draw, right? So if they take down Toronto, then they go on to face Houston, who is the higher seed, and then would play uh, the winner out of the other bracket in the American League. I think the Twins have a decent shot. It's a wide-open AL race. Uh, National League, not so much. It's a bit of a gauntlet. But, yeah. guys, we are not here to talk all things baseball. We, are, we definitely like to talk about winning, especially here in the cornfields, because it doesn't happen very often. Um, but we're going to talk some college hockey, more so some of the big headlines here from August and September, right? Some, shall we say, interesting ones. Uh, I want to start with uh, some uh, you, Ryan, because this has to do with some CCHA, shall we say, drama. And this uh, involves Bowling Green. Um, and also, uh, essentially, what pre precipitated this was um, essentially Austin Swankler entered the transfer portal. Um, and then let's just say that um, we figured all in our group chat that this was not just, you know, a one-sided story, that this was much deeper. And, well, to our uh, to our not surprised by any stretch of the means, uh, the news that really came out of this followed suit, it's not pretty for Bowling Green. Uh, no, it's not. Um it, it was really shocking for all of this to come out at like the weirdest time for all that to come out the day before CCHA media day. And while <laughs> the CCHA preseason awards are going on to see Austin Swankler get preseason player of the year and then have it be like, okay, now he's leaving abruptly. <laughs> yeah. In all fairness, Cole preseason player of the year. But, uh, it was just on the fire, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and to be fair, you know, Pila is a, is an amazing goaltender. But I was, um, I was just like, has a guy ever left 
like immediately the same day after he earns an award. I don't know if that, you know, before the season starts, I just thought that was crazy. And then I had picked Bowling Green to win the conference this year. I thought it was going to be a dogfight to the end with Tech and NMU and Bowling Green. And then to just hear that, and then players are suspended, and then Ty Eigner's suspended for the time being. Um, you know, whether he'll coach this year or not, it just, it was just weird. And the fact that things have gotten even weirder now that Austin's going to Michigan Tech. Um, I don't know, which is may not be until halfway through the season. He said that he's going to go there, but still is up in the air whether he'll actually play at all this year or this is just going to be a next year kind of thing. But yeah, it's, uh, this might be, there's, it's, it's rare to get completely caught off guard by a story, but this just came out of nowhere. And I think everybody was just wondering what was going on after it. And even after a few weeks, I'm still trying to figure out what exactly is going on. So yeah, it was, it, it was a wild day pretty much. Yeah. Um, Alex, let's, for those who, uh, you know, maybe missed it, uh, essentially the, the allegations coming out was uh, hazing uh, violations, essentially. Um, now, granted, we don't know this for sure, but, you know, my very, you know, shall I say, uh, my, my mental take would be is that is this sort of like, you know, the team trying to bond with each other, go as far. Now, mind you, there was a lot of conversation on social media. In fact, a lot of finger pointing that I mean, at Swankler as well. And uh, he ended up coming out with a statement, too, saying, nope, this I wasn't part of this. Um, and it's, it's seeming to put point the finger right back that says, nope, this is actually why I left, uh, was these uh, things that are happening behind closed doors. Um, Alex, what do you make of this? Yeah, it's it's tough because you got it from both sides. I mean, then you're seeing things uh, that teammates weren't getting along with him. And so you don't know who to believe. It's going to be a he said, he said, um, you know, and. Lawyers are now involved, um, so it, it's tough because Ohio, if I recall, too. Yeah, I mean, you got the head coach, and he he makes you know a lot of money, and he doesn't want to you know lose out on on his salary, and uh, you know then you got you got other kids that are suspended, and we don't know who who's suspended. Um, so that that's interesting that Bowling Green hasn't said anything about that. Um, you know, so it's it's a really really tough situation, and then I mean, you got the he got, you got his assistant coaches that, you know, someone has to coach so that they're in a, just a horrible spot. Um, so yeah, you feel for, you feel for the guys that are on the team right now because you're kind of, you know, it, it could turn into a lost season really fast. So Max, you know, this is where I turn to you because we get, you know, shall we say, um, psychological about these things, right? Um, so, you know, I, you know, the comments that I see in social media, and I know that we probably both see a lot of the, the same ones is, you know, you know, Nick or, you know, Max, hypothetically speaking, you know, these are just boys being boys and, you know, this and that, you know, this is cancel culture. Uh, no, it's not. Um, you know, is, is there an issue with hazing still around, not just hockey, but also in college sports? You know, granted, this situation arose to the level where, you know, obviously it, you know, went too far and now we've got, as Alex said, multiple um, institutions involved, the university itself, as well as a actual investigation, I believe, from the local police department. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, why is this still happening? Yeah, I think um, the the kids and our generation in general, you know, I'm a little older now, this generation that's going through sports right now, 
is in that gray area of, you know, they're hearing all the stories that their parents and some of the older people had and things that they either got away with or um, were able to do or some of the fun things that they, you know, had access to that are no longer around now and things that you can't say or do or anything like that and things that are going to get caught. And that happens a lot more with just what is uh, what I consider to be a good thing, the ability for people to speak out and just have a more open dialogue and not have to like shamefully hide anything away. I don't think that that was ever a good or healthy part of sports in general or necessary for that part. Um, but there's also the, you know, even things that are a little bit more fun, but kind of harmless to the general public and everybody else around caught on camera by somebody else that otherwise wouldn't have come out 10 or 20 years ago. So we're hearing more about it now just because there's more access to it. So um, I think there's going to be a, a tail off of this, but we're in the heat of it right now, just with everything kind of going on. I, I did have a question, though, um, and you guys may know the answer to this. I'm just not as plugged in. I haven't been following it. With Swankler leaving, the three kids all getting suspended, there's four open spots on that team. Are they bringing anybody up? Are they bringing somebody in from club hockey? Or how are they going to fill those spots? Are they just going to run, you know, understaffed for for lack of a better term? I was I was um, thinking club hockey because I know they have club hockey. So yeah, they, that I mean that the you know especially yeah. if it's like what if it's three defensemen that's that's a huge that's a hole. I mean, yeah, yes. are you going like, to? That's why I said it could turn to a lost season. You you might have guys playing out of position too. Yeah, so it's going to be crazy for a team that was picked, what, second or third, right, Ryan? Second or third, or yeah. So, yeah. They, they were picked uh, third, and I think, in the final poll. Um, they got some first. I, I, I picked them first, but, you know, now I look foolish. There's <laughs> <laughs> a material change. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, But, yeah, like Alex said, this could be a lost season because Bowling Green is primed for a good year. Um, I thought they could make a run for the conference title. I thought they'd for sure get home ice. And now it's like Alex said, if you're going to club hockey to get <laughs> players, it's like you're you may not even be like what sixth, seventh, maybe dead last in the conference, maybe if that's what you're gonna have to resort to. So yeah. Ryan, is this similar to what St. Thomas did three years ago? <laughs> 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 I know that was bad. So um, don't, don't answer that. Rico's probably listening and probably throwing you know a chair on the ice. No, we don't want that. Um, but you know, to be fair, I don't think that there's actually been an official announcement on you know because I think right now the school and I know the authorities are investigating this. I would imagine with a, as high of a pace as they possibly can. Because at the end of the day, you know, you want to obviously figure out what happened. Number two, if there are you know, players that do you know, require some, shall we say, consequences, you know, you got to get those handed out um, and, you know, need to determine, I'm assuming the NCAA would have to get involved in this as well, right? Um, what's the appropriate, you know, repercussions? Does that mean suspensions? If it is, how long? Um, is it you're banned from the whole season kind of thing? You know, there's still a lot more that we need to learn about the situation that's fluid. But yeah, Alex, I'm with you. If, if they have to go to club, you know, um, one yikes especially you right. know with the position they were primed to be in uh, but two at the end of it you know I'm surprised and maybe uh, and maybe you, I want your opinion on this Alex if I'm gonna, if I'm a player on Bowling Green and this has happened around me and let's just say that I'm just you know not part of you know that group per se and I've, I I kind of keep to myself would you be pretty pissed off you know with your other teammates that are you know you had a position 
you know, to make a run for a conference tournament. Now you're looking at this as we're just trying to salvage before we even drop the puck for a single game. I would be pretty upset if I was one of them. A hundred percent, you know, everything's fractured. And then uh, you, you, you probably have guys in that locker room that were big Swankler fans and then some weren't. And so you, you kind of feel like, Hey, he's, he's taking down our future, our, our, our year. But um, you know, if the allegations are true, that, that can't ha- you know that can't continue to happen you know it, if it if it was happening it's just not it wasn't gonna stop you know um you know someone wasn't gonna just say hey this is you know th- we're not gonna be doing this anymore so you know if something did happen it's better to get that out now but it, you know it's you feel so bad for the guys that weren't a part of you know the you know the allegations if they're true so it's it's you're a, you're a rock and a hard hard place for sure not good. Uh, speaking no. of rock and a hard place, um, this probably isn't the best segue, but uh, the golfers have found themselves on some, uh, shall we say, in a hard place with some of their um, a one returning players and two uh, what was going to be one of their top prospects for next season. Uh, we talked about Logan Cooley in the past over the past couple of weeks, so we'll leave that one be. But this is new. How about Cole Eiserman? Um, again, uh, potential number one overall pick in this upcoming uh, 2024 NHL draft. Uh, decides that, you know what, I want to be closer to home. Again, he's from the East Coast. He flips his commitment from the Gophers to Boston University. Uh, Max, uh, again, timing, you know, it's not that he signed an NLI, right? So this is not kind of weird, but also it's like for fans that are maybe casual or not, what what changes when a player decides, you know what, I'm going to go to a top program. They are the national runner up, runners up to say, you know what, I'd rather be closer to home. What goes through a player's mind when they make a decision like this? So it's a weird one because he's in Michigan right now and he's been away from home for a long time already playing with, you know, national development team and all these other different programs. So it's like, is it just getting homesick now? I feel it feels like he's missing out on that. And if so, more power to him going that back and doing it. But um, to transition from a powerhouse like Minnesota, a, a team that was, like you said, runner up on the national stage last year and has a lot of momentum still with returning players and, you know, unfinished business and all that. Um, I think it's a really tough decision to make, and I don't think that he made it overnight. I think that there was a lot that kind of went into it. But if a, if you're a Gophers fan, I mean, that's that's a, a tough pill to swallow because he was your next like big guy that was supposed to be coming in and picking up the slack for all the bigger guys that had left. Um, and they've got Snuggerud and all this other stuff that they're going to have building this year as well. But to have that as a, a piece for the future that you could count on, just you know, evaporate for lack of a better term, and go play with you know, uh, an East coast rival as much as I hate that. I'm, I'm happy for him as well. I think he'll do well out there, but that's, that's, that's a big one. That's like losing a, a free agent before they even come to you. If you're in a, a professional stance. So, um, how you replace that? I, I don't know. You're still going to have to find somebody with a similar skill set because that's just how the, the big 10 kind of rolls with, with their, their preferred type of players. And, um, it'll be tough to see him out of there, but, um, I, I think that they've got enough of a reputation that finding somebody and uh, that has the skill set is going to be easy enough. And now convincing them to come there when there's not somebody else that they're going to have to compete with for all the goals. There's only one puck on the ice. There's, you know, there's going to be a lot more opportunities for those guys to shine as well. Ryan, and so I, I think Max brings up a, a, an interesting point, right? When you are a kid like Cole Eiserman, where you have a lot of accolades, you have a little buzz that surrounds your name, right, and your skill level, um, you know, when you commit to a program, 
you know, you're, you're sold on success, you're sold on development and that, hey, this, you know, not only is this going to help you now, but you might be able to win a national championship along the way, but we're really prepping you for your next step, which is, and I think the projections are Cole Eiserman's going to be one heck of an NHL player, right? Um, but but essentially where this goes to is when you have a player of that caliber, right? You're selling them also that, hey, you're going to be the number one guy, right? Do you think that when players in general, like a Cole Eiserman, you know, when they commit sometimes a year or two or more before they ever step a foot on campus, right? And they're sold with this idea that, yes, great program, story program, national championship aspirations, you might be the number one center or probably you are. And then maybe take, take a step back. You know, is this a thought that goes through, you know, athletes head as they're, you know, verbally committing and then they flip? Is it also possible that it's not just being homesick or other factors, but also maybe the role that they play? I think it could be um, the role that we'd play. I mean, you know, Minnesota is going to have a recruiting class that's going to be big, as it usually is. And maybe he didn't like where he would sit in the lineup. Maybe he wouldn't be on the top line right away or something like that. So I I think there could be a little role playing in there. But um, maybe it is just a simple case of homesick, too. I, I mean, Guys like to play in front of their home crowds. They like to play closer to home. They like their families to be able to go to games. Um, you know, maybe he just was like, this sounded so good at first, but then now it's just not for me. And it, thankfully he did it with enough time to spare. He wasn't doing it like right before the season. And, you know, Minnesota has some time to, you know, find someone to potentially replace them if they can. It was, yeah, I I think it could play a role that maybe he didn't like where he'd sit in the lineup or something like that. But it also could just be something really simple. Like, um, you know, you thought like a job might work out really well. And then you find out maybe this isn't as great as I thought it would be. And, you know, you just decide to change your mind and maybe that's just what it came down to. So best of luck to him. I mean, he's going to be back home and the area that he wants to be. So hopefully they'll be successful there. And Alex, to bring this full circle to uh, let's just say, you know, 10 years ago, there was kind of this weird time in college hockey where the Gophers, uh, Michigan, Boston University, Boston College, some very historically sound programs. Well, uh, shall we say we're not, uh, you know, shall we say the big bad villains of college hockey for a while, right? Uh, let's just say that BU and BC, both respectively, over the past couple of years have attracted a lot of really good talent. Uh, those are teams that are back towards being premier programs in college hockey. Um, I would imagine probably that's playing a part in his decision too, don't you think? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, you, you see what BC is doing too. And so BU wants to jump, jump back in and, and create that, well, you know, East coast war of, uh, of, of college hockey and uh, college hockey is better when those two programs are elite. Um, you know, for the past couple of years, um, you know, they were, they didn't even make the tournaments. And so, um, now we're getting those rivalries back. You look at Harvard, we joke in our group chat that, every day it seems like Harvard has like 18 commitments, you know, you know, you see all the different posts. It's, it's crazy. So yeah, I mean, college hockey, it's the recruiting wars are just so much, so fun to follow. And now you have to deal with NIL too. I, I couldn't even imagine being, you know, these assistant coaches that grind and, and take flights to British Columbia. And then you, you think you have a solid commit and then a team swoops in, and, you know, steals a commit. So I couldn't even imagine being uh, assistant coach right now because head coaches are, they, 
they don't really get to recruit during the season. So you're relying on your uh, assistants to, to be on the road. And so, yeah, it's, it's only going to get more and more intense and interesting. And uh, you're going to see, you know, especially when, uh, you know, those kids are actually playing college hockey, you know, those, those coaches are going to see each other after the games or before, and there's going to be some interesting conversations, uh, you know, when uh, you see those de- decommits for sure. So Max, uh, I didn't give Alex Micheletti a copy of the rundown today, but uh, he <laughs> brought up exactly what I wanted to discuss next, which is the NIL, right? Um, we sort of prefaced it a little bit, right? Minnesota, Michigan, Boston University, Boston College, right? Uh, these are bigger schools that got decent cash flow, right? Um, we were warned last offseason by, I believe, an article from College Hockey News uh, that NIL money hasn't really creeped into college hockey as of yet, but it's starting to, right? Uh, and to Alex's point, there's a concern uh, with NIL money and more so the effect on some of the smaller schools. Um, at NCHC Media Day, had the chance to speak with a lot of the coaches, including Scott Sandlin, Chris UMB's head coach, uh, you know, very well respected. In fact, he's part of the college hockey, not rules committee, but basically the competition committee, I believe is what they call it. And one of the main themes that came out of Media Day from the coach's standpoint was the sustainability of these smaller schools, right? NAL money is going to complicate that a bit, right? Because at the end of the day, and I think especially we're going to see it on the front lines here in Minnesota, right? Six division one schools, all with, you know, various, you know, shall we say levels of competition, uh, St. Cloud, myself and UMD and mostly division two athletic schools. You have the U of M big division one, big 10 school, um, St. Thomas, um, also just making the jump Minnesota state, another primary division two school. So, um, I guess, should we be that worried about NAL money and, you know, potentially what some of that could affect on some of these smaller schools, including your, you know, my Huskies and your Bulldogs? Uh, I think there certainly is going to be an aspect of that. And you are going to get those, those star players like an Eisenman or anybody that's on the national development team. That's going to get, you know, headhunted for lack of a better term. Um, and, and offered these these bigger contracts because they've already established a name for themselves on the national stage for anybody that follows youth hockey that's coming up. Other guys are going to have to make their name where they've got other opportunities, and that's where you're going to find a UMD or St. Cloud or somewhere like that that's willing to take a shot on a guy um, just because they they're, might be local or something like that. I think UMD has more people from Saskatchewan and Minnesota. They don't heavily recruit outside of uh, the, the upper Midwest and for for, for the most part, we'll say. But uh, I think that the money is going to be pretty pretty evident, I would say, in two years, maybe three. But next year shouldn't be that big of a deal. This year obviously hasn't been a, a massive factor. But it's going to come down to it. You've already seen Minnesota, um, and I forget what their collective is called, but they convinced, is it uh, Grey Duck to, con- to create a... Yep. a yeah, it, I don't right. even know if it's a beer or a seltzer. Something, all of the, not all, 20% of the proceeds from that are going to fund Dinkytown Athletes, I think it's called. And so that money is going to go probably mostly to football, but spread around to the other D1 programs there as well. So some of these other schools that don't have a, a brewery that's able to do that or a liquor distribution company or anybody else that's going to have massive sales that has any significant amount of money, they're going to be missing out on that. So they're going to have to find other creative ways whether it be through uh, an alumni pipeline or something like that um, to, to get these programs a little bit of money to kind of either distribute evenly or pick and, and choose bigger players. Where I think it is really interesting is if you do have a situation where, you know, you're paying one or two guys or they're being paid by the, the, associate, the associations around them, 
um, and then the other guys in the room aren't, but they're outperforming them, is there going to be some sort of a, a locker room dynamic where, um, you know, there's a little bit of dissension where, where the money isn't being distributed based on the production on the team. And that's going to create its own challenges as well. So I'm interested to see how it plays out. But you're, you're absolutely right. The smaller schools, and I don't even think that St. Cloud um, and UMD are going to be as as strapped for cash as some of the other schools like a Ferris State or Bemidji, if we're talking about even in-state as well. Um, it, it's going to be a little bit more difficult for them to, to kind of create the funds if, if it comes down to bidding for players. So, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out for sure. And so, Ryan, this rolls perfectly into our final topic of our discussion uh, on this episode, and that is uh, we talked briefly with some of you about the NCHC and expanding, uh, welcoming an Arizona State uh, officially next season, 2024-2025. And I would bet the essentially the size of the school, the essentially the whitewash of what it was going to be the Pac-12, it's basically gone now, um, but Arizona State, Huge student population. Um, college hockey program for them actually made money for them last year. They've got one hell of a building. Uh, it's NHL broadcast ready because, well, it's currently housing an NHL team, at least for the time being. Um, but, you know, put it all of it together, Ryan, and at the end of it, does it sort of make sense as to why the NCHC pulled the trigger on Arizona State now? And, uh, you know, am I onto something or am I, well, on something? Maybe we'll put it that way. I think it makes sense why they did it. I mean, it's Arizona State may not be like Big Ten level. They're not like Notre Dame or something like that, but they're one yeah, of the biggest. Big Ten told them no. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially, they had him in their like conference schedule for two years and, you know, was basically saying, hey, we're good enough to compete. And they never offered them, you know, an invitation to join the Big Ten. Is that academics? What's that? Was for- that academics that ruled them out of it, made them in- ineligible for that in terms of? Uh, I don't remember being accepted into the Big Ten, or was it something else? I don't know, honestly. I don't think it was academics. He would think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, geography, you know, it could play a role there <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and I guess I- I'm not surprised they did it. I mean, like you listed all the reasons why Arizona State, you know, what it has to offer to the conference by adding Arizona State. A lot of the teams in the NCHC are, you know, D1 schools, but they're not. They're, they're hockey D1 schools. They're not, you know, they're not football and basketball and hockey schools. They're just mainly hockey schools. With Arizona State, you have a football school, a hockey school, a basketball school. That gives you that member that can supply that profile to the NCHC. And it has an NHL arena. You can, you can make jokes about it that the Coyotes play in a college rink. But, yeah, it's an NHL rink, and it's a nice one. So, I'm not surprised that the NCHC went and did it. I think it's great. Um, I mean, UND is a hockey school. UMD is – Duluth is a hockey school. I mean, St. Cloud's a hockey school. I mean, they're, they're all pretty much hockey schools, and now Arizona State gives you that national profile. So, yeah, it's it, it, it works out great for the conference. Final question I'll pose to Alex as you wrap up this one. So, Alex, the NCHC essentially taking a one independent, right? There's still some left. But is the trend going to be swallowing up independence? I don't think it is. I think the trend is actually going to be that just like football, I think you're going to see a lot of essentially dissemination of some of these smaller conferences. And I think you're going to see super conferences form even in college hockey. Um, I'm probably crazy, but... 
to me, that seems to be the trend, especially with NIL money. Um, what do you think about that? Yeah, you know, 100%. You're already seeing it in football. <laughs> Look at the the Big Ten is what? The Big 18 now? And it's going to be big or it's going to be the Big 20 at uh, at some point. Uh, it should be so the that's, thing, like 30. Yeah, it's just crazy. Um, and I think, too, with, you know, uh, with travel, too, budgets are going to get, you know, cut and, you know, you're going to have to try to save money somehow. I mean, you, you take a look at St. Cloud, the, you know, enrollment continues to drop. Um, and so, you know, you know, things, situations like that too. I mean, where are you going to find the money? And so, uh, you know, just putting, putting schools in, re, you know, in geographical spots, you know, in conferences makes so much more sense. Um you know, if, if it wasn't all about money with the big 10, you know, the WCHA should go back to what it was. I mean, but it, probably, probably that won't happen, but, uh, I mean, you this know, is Alex, not Pat, right? Just make- <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, yeah, we, we, we talk about this all the time, you I'm know, sure. my dad. So a hundred percent. And, yeah. you know, I think as fans, right, we would all yeah. enjoy the WCHA in years of past right now, we might be, you know, the old man that yells at clouds by, you know, yeah. making that argument, but um, the competition was good. The geography was good. So, I mean, you talk about cost control, but, and you do wonder about some of the conferences out East, right? We're talking like Atlantic hockey, you know, what does the ECAC do? I mean, it's, I don't want to say it's dire, but you do get the sense that there's going to be a monumental shift at some point in college hockey. And I, I don't think that the Arizona state addition is a precursor to that. But I wonder as we go further and further along in the next four to five years, whether we see more of the, what we saw in college football and college hockey. Yeah. A hundred percent. And it, it's only going to get crazier with NIL too. Like, you know, like we, like we've mentioned and um, you know, there's going to be a lot of eyes on uh, you know, you know, the leaderships and a lot of these schools, if they want to make the moves or not, you know, some are set in their ways and um, you know, we take a look at TV too. That continues to change. It's going to be weird to not see the Gophers on Bally's or Fox, you know, you know what it was Fox sports. And now it's going to, you know, uh, possibly Fox, you know, plus nine or whatever. And uh, yeah, just things are completely changing in the, in the TV world. Um, So I think that that's going to be a big factor as well. So yeah, Fox nine plus apparently St. Cloud state, the Gophers and St. Thomas. (laughs) Right. So, uh, and let's just say that, uh, well, if they all play their games at the same time, that means someone's going to tape delay. Uh-oh. No. Or, or maybe some. So it's, uh, I, I think the the bidding wars, right? And I think that's sort of the, the next sort of step in this process, right? And we won't talk about it this week, but I think that's the fear now is with the ballot situation more specifically, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where there's so much uncertainty. And I, I think a big reason why the Gophers jumped ship as much as they did, um, you know, a local TV station, you obviously want to jump on that, but you kind of wonder at what point are you oversaturated and more so, you know, is this, you know, in theory, it sounds good, but does it actually practice out to a return for Fox nine? I would imagine it probably does somewhere, but uh, some fan base or fan bases may not see it the same way. So with that being said, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me this week. And also for all of you listeners and YouTube viewers, thank you for joining us for another week of college hockey talk and or shall we say baseball talk, right? It's playoff baseball here in the upper Midwest and college hockey. Again, regular season starting up things shortly for Max Speech, Alex Micheletti and Ryan Stieg. Big Max in here. We'll see you guys back here next week for some recaps on regular season action.
Join us for another week in the den of Huskies Warming House podcast action. Nick and I don't just work the MNCAA scene. We have our own show, too, with new episodes every week. Find us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and everywhere you enjoy your favorite hockey podcasts. If you can find the Soda Pod, you can find us there, too, along with CenterizeView.com and Huskies Illustrated.